Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. So excited you decided to join us. Uh, Before we jump in today, um, I want to make sure I give a shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. Um, they were their customer service is and again this is from a midwestern boy their customer service is second to none whenever i've had any problems with with one of my three machines they've always been able to help us so go over and check out dr dish mention coach unplugged teach hoops uh any of our podcasts coach collins and they'll give you 400 off you won't find a better discount out there they will take really good care of you and make sure you tell them I sent you. And then also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. Um, we are the only ones out there that offer 14-day free trial because we believe in our product so much that we want you to come and kick the tires. We want you to take it for a test drive. Nowhere else are you going to find a high school coach who's also coaching. Um, <laughs> giving, I just got off a, a phone call with a teachhoops.com member. So who else has my cell phone number and, and, and calls me and talks to me about things that he has uh, questions on with his team? Where else are you going to find that on the web? Go over and check it out. Um, like I've said before, it helps us keep the lights on in these podcasts and our YouTube and everything else free. So go over and check it out. And oh. One more thing I forgot. I was going to say, let's head off. Uh, go leave a review. We love those reviews. We read every one of them. Go leave those five-star reviews. Um, and let's head off to the podcast. Bye. All right. Welcome to Coach Unplug. I think you'll get launched before that. But I always tell people, it's like, we do this and then you're going to, I don't, I, I'm not promising when it's going to launch. It will be in the next couple months is what I say. Um, especially when I'm doing seven a week, uh, I kind of got to get them launched out. But so Jody, I'm going to have you. First of all, introduce yourself and kind of tell your basketball journey. Um, well, I'm sure we'll talk about the league we both played in at some point and do all those kind of things. But um, just kind of tell your basketball journey, why you got into coaching, kind of how it started, you know, for you and then where you are now and, and, and that. And then we'll, we'll, we'll dive into a couple other things. So it's all yours. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll start where I am now. So my name is Jody Marver. I am the head varsity girls basketball coach at Willows Academy in Des Plaines, Illinois. Um, we're a very small college prep school, about 250 girls, six through 12. So it's a very small community and it is my third So give me the location year. in Illinois, first of all. Like, yeah. tell me where, what you're by. So we're right outside of Chicago. I would say about 20 minutes north of Chicago in the suburbs around So what, what, give me, give me other suburban cities. 
Um, other suburban city. Okay, Northbrook, Highland Park. Um, okay. We got, is that good enough? <laughs> yeah, oh, no, 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 no. I, so, so, so all of you that are listening, I don't care at this point. Yeah. I'm going, okay, I'm trying, I'm putting it for me because I know she, yeah. Chicago's an hour yeah. and a half, two hours from my house. So I'm figuring yeah. out, okay, is, wh- where is she in yeah. So now I know yeah. where you are. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, I um, live in Chicago, so it's not too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So before we dive into anything else with you, this question jumped in as I, as I yeah. was doing it. How? Because I've of all my interviews, and not that I don't want to, I I would guess five to ten percent are female coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, how many female coaches do you coach against? That's a really good question. Um, I would say female coaches that I coach against is actually, I think it's grown over the years, but I would say, especially like in our conference, I am one of three female coaches in our conference of nine schools. Okay. So, 30, so, so that's, so because yeah. I, I was going, I'm going through our, con- I mean, I think it's mm-hmm. growing. It's what I keep telling people is I think if I'm doing this podcast 10 to 15 years from now, it'll be easier. Um, yeah, no I think it, I think it was like 3% 10 years ago. And now I think it's like maybe, tw- I mean, this is purely observative 20%. And right. I think it's growing because what happening is I think you're coaching girls that are going to decide they want to coach. Um, so I think it's a couple generate, we're still a couple generations away. Um, oh, yeah. From it being Even more. Like, yeah, right. Growing up when I played in high school and like college, I've seen it grow more and more and more. I mean, I've only been coached by female coaches. But definitely, like oh, that's awesome. Other, yeah, mm-hmm, it has been really awesome. But yeah. seeing all the other schools we play, especially because I went to a really big high school and played a lot of you know huge high schools around here, it was not as much that there were female coaches. But as years have gone on, I've de- definitely seen more and more of it. Which and I'm exciting. not. I'm. I'm telling you right now. What my friend is in, in AD. I have friends that are. It's not that they don't want to hire them. It's that mm-hmm. people aren't applying. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think that's why I think it. It's going to take all these girls that are playing AU and then, Oh, I'm on, I want to be a coach. I want to te- I want to do this. Um, right. mm-hmm. I th- I'm thinking, I don't know. That's I, who knows. Okay. So I let's go through. Let's, years, yeah. I, I, that's why I had to jump in that question because I didn't want to forget yeah. it. And, um, and it's, and, and it's been bothering me. It's like, I want to get, I want to get different types of coaches because everyone I think looks at the game a little differently but it's no, just, definitely. it's just, it's been harder to, to find female coaches. Um, so, okay. So go, um, so go tell your, you, where you, do you went to school close by or what? Yeah. Okay. So, um, growing up, I grew up in Northbrook, Illinois, which is also in the suburbs, very close to where I teach now. And I went to Glenbrook North high school, which is big public school. Um, huge, huge. huge. Like, aren't Played there movies? A- aren't there movies made at Glenbrook? Yes. Yes. Um, well, okay. So our big, you know, other school was New Trier and Mean Girls. That movie was there. And then um, the Ferris Bueller movie was actually filmed at my high school. And so it was like crazy, you know, crazy big school, polar opposite from where I teach now. So it's very interesting. It's you know, funny though, that. too. And I'll, and I'll do this to kids now and they won't know because it'll be quiet in virtual world and I'll go Bueller. Bueller, Bueller, and they'll go, what are you talking about? I go, oh my gosh, you haven't watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off? You need to go watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, well, they have no idea. they haven't watched it. It's funny. Right? Though. Yeah, it is. So, um, yeah, I played uh, basketball there, played on varsity. It was a great experience. Um, I think that I knew throughout right away, I was like, I was one of those players who really wanted to play in college, and that was very much my goal. 
Um, and I worked really hard at that. I played some AU teams, you know, during the summers. Uh, and then my senior year, I actually tore my ACL. So I wasn't, oh. yeah, and I was out my whole season. I tore it in my third game. And, and it's so interesting how I ended up at Knox College because that wasn't even on my radar until um, I tore my ACL. It kind of all the paths moved to that being the school that I became the most interested in. And the coach there, which I think is why I am the way now, was so invested in me as a person that I was like believed in me. So I ended up going to Knox College, which is Midwest Conference, you know, um, and I had the best career there. I loved playing Division Three basketball. I loved playing at a small school. Um, and I—that's a another, great thing, isn't it? It's I tell yeah. people, Division Three in the right conference. Like I don't know how much my son's gonna. My son picked Middlebury because it's a really good school, mm-hmm. um, like a really good school. Like, yeah, good for him. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know where he got the smarts from, but good for you. Um, uh, anyway. I said, even if you make the team, you know, it's all about like the, those relationships and those friendships. I mean, right. if you got to go to lab, you go to lab. Like, you, you know, coach is not going to be happy, but it's like, you're there to go to school. Like basketball is like, right. Yeah. I love that. And that's I, like, I, I think it was great. I loved that experience. I loved being at a small school and I'm glad that I got to feel that because I was used to being at a huge school that being at a small school was just so much fun and the environment around, you know, the whole community coming to our games and stuff like that was awesome. You and I and- went both to one to big high schools and, mm-hmm. and it uh, <laughs> both of our colleges were smaller than our high schools. Would yeah. Be my guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I knew the professors by name. I knew the president of the university. He knew mm-hmm. me, but he goes, he would see me on campus and ask how the game, I mean, it is literally like, that's why it was great because it's like when I got stuck on something, it wasn't like I, I had to go talk to the TA or, you know, I could, I could find the person I needed to find. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I really loved about it. And then the same thing with sports. Like I really felt like it was a family and that's what made it so much fun. Um, and the thing that I actually really liked about Knox too, was I knew that I wanted to go into a program that I wanted to build while I was there. I didn't want to go into a program that was already had like millions of championships Um, I thought as me, the player that I am, I really wanted to be like impactful. And so um, Knox College had a pretty low record when I came into there. And my freshman like group, by the time we left, made such an impact in the, you know, culture and the record. They went from, I think the year before that, that I came there, they only won four games. And then we got a bid to the Midwest Conference Tournament my senior year. And we were breaking NCAA records. I was lucky enough to score a thousand points. It was like a lot of great things happened and that's what made it so much fun. And I think that's also what attracted me to coaching. Then to segue, I, you know, afterwards I was like, this was so much fun to change a program and impact it. Like this is really something I want to continue to do as a coach. So um, out of college, I got my degree in elementary education. So I was teaching elementary and um, just through contacts, I ended up at Niles North. And that is another big school that we used to play against when I was in high school. And I was the assistant varsity coach there and the head JV coach there for a few years before I had um, an offer come to me that I didn't even seek. So it ended up working out like really cool and ended up at Willows Academy where I am now. And so it just really- Is, is that, that's so a day, it's a day school, right? Uh, Willows Academy? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. it's yeah, not a board. Uh, it's, it's not a boarding school. No, 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 no. no. Okay. It's a college prep school. There is some boarding schools in our conference, just because we're a very small independent league. 
but we are not a boarding school now. Is Lake Forest isn't in your league? Lake Forest Academy is in our league. They just entered. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. So they are a boarding school and they have some pretty strong athletes that go there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that's a disadvantage a little bit in boarding school. I mean, I know. You know, some of yeah. can recruit and we can't. So, right. And well, and then, yeah, you go to the East Coast, there's all sorts of them out there. You know, that, those leagues in the you right. know, Northeast are crazy. Um, okay. And how long have you been there? This will be my uh, third year coaching, second year teaching there. And do you think you're going to be playing this year? We're, well, December, December something. What is this? Is uh, 18th? We're at the 18th. Yeah. I mean, I will say that. Um, our school and our board has been so pushing us to play. Um, right. We are very lucky. We are also a school that's been in person since the first day of school. We've never had to be virtual. I mean, the school is really pushing that we can make this work, and we have. Right. We had our first full week of practice before the, our a Pritzker put those mitigations and shut right. us down. So I think the second there's any green light, we will be doing something. You will something. be. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I it's funny because like. I've talked to, yeah, I don't know what that will look like either. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking to one of my friends who's in our league and we're not playing. And it's like, it's almost like, and some people are like practicing and some aren't and right. like you, yeah. you can't really practice. It's got to be six feet and there can only be eight people in the gym. It's like, yeah, it's almost like is what's better. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's I hard. Know. Yeah. I think right now, I mean, in Illinois right now, the only thing we're allowed to do is personally train. So it's me and one other player and we work on skills together. Right. And, um, that would be great. I do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been doing it and kids have been signing up to work out with me and that's, you know, been something. And, you know, I was talking about this with my athletic director at the end of the day, like, I just want to give options to these kids to do something because this is what they want to do. And this is why so many kids around the high school age are really mentally struggling because they they are are locked in their houses all day and do nothing with their parents, which is part of the problem. Trust me. Uh, (laughs) It is part of the problem. The the only, the only, this is the stats teacher is what I'm telling you too, is the cavalry's coming. Coming. So we're, we're, we're like, I've used this analogy with my classrooms. It's like, you know, we're, we're in the ninth inning, you know, we're, we're, we're in the last two miles of the marathon, which are the hard ones. Right. Mm-hmm. We're so Let's not, we, we do not want to, I mean, then I, I'm telling them, you do not want to get sick now. Like, right. Like if you got sick in April, it wasn't great, but it, you, we didn't know enough. Like, don't, you shouldn't get sick now. Like we're, we're, Mm -hmm. especially if you're like old, like me, it's like, now I shouldn't get sick. Like it's coming and us being teachers, we're going to be early. Um, we're going to be relatively early because they want the kids back and the kids want to go back. Kids, kids will be late, but we'll be early. Hopefully you won't be as early because you're young, but I'll be early. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. I'll probably be one of the last ones. (laughs) I'll be, I'll be front of line. So let's talk about, you sent me something about culture and teams. Let's talk about that. So tell me what, let's dive into that. So I'm going to just turn over to you and then I'm sure I have lots of opinions. So I'll jump in. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I think the biggest thing, I mean, I'm, I'm a young coach. Like I've said, this is only my third year as a varsity head coach, and I'm definitely still learning a lot. But I think the one thing that I have really learned the most over these three years is how much a culture can impact a team. Um, when I got to Willows Academy, that was kind of the biggest thing that I wanted to implement. And I saw how much it worked for me as a player, that as a coach, I was like, this is something that I really want to bring to this program. 
Um, when I was getting interviewed to work or to coach at Willows Academy, they told me that the basketball program was in need of a big push. They only had eight girls on the whole high school roster. And that year they finished with an eight and 17 record. And the athletic director then was like, I really need someone young, exciting to come in and change this. Um, and so it was really cool because I mean, just results wise, which isn't anything that I usually look at. I mean, in the first year I was there, we became 21 and eight by the end of the year. So we completely flipped the wins and losses with the same exact roster. And every time I tell the girls, I'm like, you know, it, it was because of culture. And so I really came in preaching that a lot with the girls saying like, we are going to focus on the process, which is the culture and results will come. And I kept telling them that over and over again, like the culture is first, results will come after. We're going to work on being one unit as a team. And I think kind of what I touched on, on like, you know, taking charges and being selfless, like we're going to work on those little things that are really important. You know, we're going to make sure we have high energy. And most importantly, there's going to be a lot of team bonding. <laughs> I literally forced them to do a lot of team bonding too. It's control the controllables is what I referred to it as. Um, so, okay. So I, I would 100% agree. From someone that, God, it was like 25 years ago, and I and I took over a program that I was the only applicant. We were, they were like, no one wanted this job, and now, right. now I don't even. I mean, we've been very successful. A lot of people would probably want the job now. Um, and culture was a, everything you just said was exactly. I wasn't even worried. First two or three years, I wasn't even worried about X's and O's. I was like, right. we just got to shift. Like this ain't gonna work anymore. Like six winning seasons and 50. That ain't gonna work. We got to shift. Mm -hmm. We have to shift the mental part and then I can worry about the X's and O's. Um, exactly. What was, so as a young coach, what was the hardest thing as a, being a young coach? It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT and more made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Um, I think that as being a young coach, um, just in general, I think uh, at the beginning, you know, the girls were so excited to have me there, but because I'm very young, they wanted to be very friendly with me. So I think having that fine line of I'm very big on building relationships with my girls and I'm close with them and I know, you know, and I'm always there for them, but also them respecting me. And I think that that was something that actually my players received very well. Like they knew when they can joke around with me and be fun, but they also knew when it was time to turn it on, it was time to turn it on. And that balance was something that that was really huge. Um, I think going into a really small program that was struggling, the biggest thing culture wise was building that level of commitment and holding each other accountable was the biggest thing. Um, and coming from such a different culture growing up, I didn't really realize how different it was. Like when I got there, the girls didn't realize they had to tell me if they were going to miss practice, like things like that. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, this is crazy, you know, but I think that it took a lot of explicitly teaching and telling. Yeah. Did you have to have, did you have to have exp expectations or Oh, yeah. You have to have a sit down and is that kind of running itself now? How is, how has that changed over the three years? Yeah, that's a really great question. So when I got there, I explicitly made a chart. I remember I made a chart being like, if you do this, then this is the consequence. Like if you tell me you are, if you communicate with me, but you have to miss, or if you don't communicate with me and you miss, 
or if you're late, blah, blah, blah. But it was interesting because I showed them also the negative consequences and the positive consequences. Like I listed things. I'm like, if we all show up on time, if we all are there for right. each other, like we will get positive consequences. So I really did have to explicitly tell them. And, 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 and I think that's really important for young coaches listening to this is I don't have that anymore, but I'm also an old dog and we have such culture that they know. Now I'm a little worried going into next year because we haven't, we're going to have like this gap year kind of thing. Yeah. So I think mm -hmm. I'm going to have to come back and reteach some cultural stuff mm -hmm. because usually the juniors will teach the sophomores, the seniors will teach the juniors. This is how mm -hmm. we do things, blah, blah, blah. And there's some things I have obviously have to go over, but mm -hmm. um, that sheet, I probably haven't pulled it out in 10 years, but they know if they miss practice, here's what's going to happen. Or they do this, here's what's going to happen. And it's just, mm -hmm. that's just the expectation. But I mm -hmm. think it's important to over, it's hard, hard, to, hard to put this in words. When you're young, when you're a young coach, it's better to overrule <laughs> and have, and then, and then back off than to go the other way. It's kind of like teaching 101. You'd rather have too much discipline and then lighten up as the school year goes on then be mm -hmm. too light and then try to tighten it up. It doesn't work that way. And, and if you think of your coaching career as a bucket, early in that bucket, you got to like, this is the way it needs to be. And then you have to over-communicate it to parents. Uh, mm -hmm. um, the parents are the key. Because it's like, when you, if you miss practice, this is the way I've always goes. If you miss practice for any reason, uh, any reason, and you're a starter, you don't start. And it can be you're sick. It can be you have to make up a test. It can be grandma, whatever it is. I'm not punishing you. I'm rewarding the kid that's at practice. Right. I, I'm not mad. I'm just telling you that you don't get to start that game. And you'll still get to play. And you'll probably play a lot. But you're just not going to mm -hmm. start. Or if you're a starter, right. you'll, if you're sixth man, you'll be eighth man. You're just not going to go in. I'm not mad. You should go to your grandma's funeral. What are you talking about? And I'm not telling you not to go. but. I'm rewarding the kid that's here taking the charges. I'm rewarding the kids. So I think when you explain that to parents that way, mm -hmm. I said, kids get sick. I, I don't want them here if they're sick. I get it. Mm -hmm. Starting's the most overrated thing in the world anyway, but it is. that and captains are the two most overrated things. In the world. <laughs> um, Very true. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I don't know if you've listened to my podcast. I haven't named captains mm -hmm. in like 15 years. Oh, really? No. Whoever walks to the center circle, the first game is my captains. Interesting. It's a cultural thing. I they, like they look at – sometimes they'll look over and I'll just look back at them. I don't know. Because you're not – if you're not a leader, you're not walking to that center circle. I like that. I like that concept. You know what I mean? You, yeah. <laughs> think about it. If they're – like, I, I – I, and, and it, it just caught on me because it became this whole political thing like, why is he captain and he isn't captain? Right. Mm -hmm. It's like – I don't care. Like the, I, we all know who the leaders are. Mm -hmm. So, so it's like, I, I don't say anything. I haven't said anything in yeah. probably 10 years and whoever walks that center. And I, last year I had four kids walk one year. I had one kid walk, mm -hmm. but if you're the, if you're the 13th kid and you joke around and practice and you're, there's no way you're walking to that center circle. Right. Like, <laughs> cause the no leaders way. are going to stop them. At least, yeah. you know, they're going to go, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. No, push them back it's like so that's one of the cultural things it's going to be interesting how i'm gonna to have to change that but yeah um, that is interesting yeah it is interesting it, it, it was one of those things that just happenstance the pond and it's like ooh, this this works for me um yeah, because it, 
Is it about the plaque you get at the banquet? Well, who cares? I mean, come on. Right. Leaders don't need labels to be leaders. Yes. Leaders worry. Yes. The, the, I, I got quoted in the paper the other day because of about the shutdown. It said, well, leaders don't only worry about themselves. They worry about others. Like, right. <laughs> you know, they, they're, they're, they're picking the other people up when they're running. They're still picking people up, you know? Um, right. So I love that. I love that rule thing. Um, so were there any, were there any, uh, how can I put this? Were there any stumbles in the first couple of years that someone could learn from? Yeah. I mean, I think that some of the stumbles, you know, well, I I would say that. So the, the first year that I got there, the stumbles a lot were just like learning what I needed to overcome. Like I came in thinking this was going to be the similar experience to what I grew up around and the programs I played in. But it wasn't, and I it's really learning the, learn. it's learning where they keep the basketballs. It's right. I tell people I, I I mentor a lot of young coaches. I said the first year, don't overthink things. Like mm-hmm. you're going to have enough problems figuring out how the bus is going to get there, and mm-hmm. you, you know how you run your banquet, and I mean you're going to have. Do not worry about revamping. The, the, there's enough issues. It's like getting a new teaching job. You got to figure out where the copy machine is. Don't worry about right. like reinventing the wheel after your first year that's when you can sit down and really dive into it um right i love that i love that idea yeah and i think that that was where i felt very lucky that we were able to reinvent the wheel so quickly but i want to say that like i gave these girls a push and they took it the whole way and that's what changes the culture is the girls it's i can give them a little bit but it doesn't actually happen until they do it together. Do you and think it's because of the school you're at? Excuse me. Do you think it's just because yeah. of the school you're at? Do you think if do you think there there's a motivation with those girls in that school? Um, I think that I, I think partly. I think that you know the strength that I have at Willows is different than strengths at other schools. These girls don't come in with like Division One talent. And not many of them might play on the basketball team if they went to a bigger school. But what they come in with is like excitement and they're like smart kids and they really care. Like they would think that I remember after the first practice, a bunch of them came over and said, thank you. And I was like, what, what? Like they just, they thanked me for, for having practice. And I remember being like, so thrown back. I'm like, this is a very different place, but these really are like such good kids. And I do think that that plays into it. But I do also think that, um, Instilling a culture can happen anywhere. It's just knowing your kids. Instilling a culture at Willis Academy looked different than when I instilled a culture at Niles North. And when I instilled the culture when I was, you know, a player at Knox College, it's seeing what you have and adapting to it, which, you know, as teachers, we do all the time. And right. every year, <laughs> every year. I tell, I tell people, I said, I've taught for 32 years. And they go, and this has been the worst year. Literally, I would quit teaching. if I've, I've been virtual the whole time. I've told people, if I had to do this again, I'd quit. I can't do this. Yeah. Like I'm no good at this. Like right. maybe if I had been 22 and started virtually, but I'm no good at this. I give me in a classroom. I'm I I can do that. Um, yeah. But I think it's part of it. Every class has its own personality, mm-hmm. and every team has its own personality. And I think what right. you're, I think a great point you made is, especially for the for the for the young coaches listening, is you got to figure out what the strength of your school is, mm-hmm. and then feed that monster. Like you're dealing with really smart kids. They might not be the best basketball, but you got to feed that monster and then make the best program you can out of that. Like some places might not have very good students. <laughs> might be like Coach Carter. 
like not yeah. very good students, but they're really good basketball players. Well, mm -hmm. then, okay, you got to feed that monster, but then how do you get them to do the things that they maybe aren't as good at? Like every school has a strength. It's just part of this is figuring out that puzzle, I think. Exactly. And I think that's what was so helpful in my first year is like, trying to figure out their strengths to build that culture and then that naturally translated to the basketball court you know like I said there was there are some girls on my team who never score but can average at least one charge a game and they get so excited about that whereas before they felt like they couldn't play a role it's finding the kids strengths as people and as players and finding out how to incorporate that so how do you incorporate the charges into your program um, I, well, it's, it's kind of funny. So <laughs> my first year coming in, I told the girls that if you took a charge during a game that I would get you Chipotle, like I was like that I'm going to get you Chipotle if you take a charge during the game, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah. And then they got so excited and I was like, and you know, it's going to do something really good for our team. And I explained the reasoning behind it. I'm like, it's not just that you're doing that. It's you're doing that and you help our team because you're being selfless and not trying to just swap the ball and like showing discipline. And our whole team gets really excited when charges are taken and it helps us like follows. Like I explained all that. They were also excited about the Chipotle, but I was like, you know, explaining to them like that they can play such a big role on the team. And I think that's what really clicked for them is them understanding like every single person on the team can play a huge role. You don't have to be the one scoring or stealing the ball. You might like some of the girls might never get in the game, but everyone plays a huge role. And that's like what I really showed them. Um, and I think the girls really latched onto that. And it was so cool to see them become like so close over the year. And it was just so natural. You could see on the court that they were just like playing as one unit and really playing together. And the thing that I got most excited about was not during the game, because during the game, I'm so zoned in when I would watch the film afterwards and watch the bench. That was what made me so excited. I'm telling you, if you watch a bench, you can tell about a program a lot when you watch the bench. Do you have a leaderboard for charges? Yeah, we do. So I, I did a leaderboard for charges. And um, last year, we had a girl break a record. I, like, I knew it was a broken record. She took four charges in one game, which was insane. And so we like had the biggest you know, like, celebration for her. I even like made a certificate for her because like those things should be rewarded like you know I, I also reward other things like we had a girl score a thousand points last year of course we reward that but I also want the little things to be rewarded right. like the hustle plays the all that stuff and the girls know that that's equally important we have so you'll here I'll tell I'll give you another thing for charges I, I'm a charge guy too is like we have four plus chairs and they rotate so if you take a charge in a game you get a chair in front of your locker like it's a like oh. it's a nice chair so rather than sitting on like a bench or something like that, they get a nice chair. So there's four there of them. Go. And then, so let's say you take the first charge, your friend takes another one, and then you take the third one. I said, you can give the other one away to your friend, or you can bargain it out, or you can do it. So they're like, well, oh man, I'll take you out the, it's like, because these chairs are comfortable. They don't want to sit on something like to take their shoes off and before the mm -hmm. game. It's like, um, so it's like, it's all finding little like, They'll they'll run through a wall ticket, and sometimes oh I took one in practice. I go practice doesn't count. That's good, good <laughs> practice. But um, that's awesome. I, I no, that. I love that idea. I love that idea. Um, describe your coaching philosophy. Yeah, I would say my coaching philosophy is really big around culture, and the biggest thing is that um, like instilling a great culture. And the way that I do that is through positivity and giving the kids confidence. That is probably the biggest thing is the confidence piece. 
And that's the thing that I learned the most. I would say my biggest mentor was when I was at Niles North and when I was the JV coach, the uh, head varsity coach there, Dan Paxson, um, was one of the best coaches I've ever seen. And he believed so much in me as a coach before I believed in myself, which gave me the ability to believe in myself. And because of that, I saw like how much I can accomplish now. Like, I don't think I would be a varsity coach if he didn't say, you need to leave here right now and take this job. You know what I mean? And so you got it. <laughs> have you ever heard I, I, it's either Eagles or Hawks that, you know, they put, they put glass, they put glass and sharp rocks in the bottom of their nests. Did you know this? I didn't so, know that. So what happens is, so the, 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 the I, I think it might be Eaglets. It might be Eagles. Anyway, they do it. And as the, so what, what he was doing is he was pushing you out of the nest, but mm -hmm. with Eagles, they do it is because they're born. And then as they get bigger, they get, they push down on the nest and then eventually get so uncomfortable. They go, I don't want to be here anymore. And they fly away because mm -hmm. the, the, the rocks and the, and the glass in the bottom, their weight pushes them down on it and they go, Oh, I don't want to lay here anymore. I'm going to go make my own nest. Well, that's, mm -hmm. that's a great head coach that does that, that pushes exactly. them out of the nest. I love that. Right. Hey everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and like, no matter where you listen, Apple, Spotify. We love those five-star reviews. Make sure you also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Sports Social Podcast Network.